I wanted to share with you a passage of scripture that's always meant a lot to me, and it's going to be one you may find interesting, but I think one that's appropriate for this season. Uh, it's going to come from Matthew 23. It's going to be verses 27 through 39. Matthew 23, 37 through 39. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. But I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That reading comes at an interesting time in Jesus' ministry. He is finishing up his teaching ministry in Matthew getting ready to go to the cross. It's interesting if you look at where exactly this passage finds itself. This is a passage that comes right after um, Jesus, some of Jesus' harshest teaching. He, um, earlier in um, chapter uh, 23, he has uh, what's called the seven woes. These are the seven woes to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders, criticizing them for their legalism and for their refusal to hear his word and refusal to follow him and how they're leading others away from him. And it, it's, it's some of the, the harshest language Jesus uses in all the scriptures. So he finishes this hard teaching, and then he, 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 he's, he's looking out over Jerusalem um, where, he would have, where he would have addressed this, the Pharisees and Sadducees would have been on a place called the teaching steps. The teaching steps are, would have been steps leading up to the temple under, underneath the Sanhedrin. Anyone who would have come to have taught would have taught from that place because you could look up and address the religious leaders, and the religious leaders could look down and either give approval to your teaching or give judgment to your teaching. Normally, people would come to the teaching steps and would offer words of praise to the Pharisees and Sadducees and to their teachings and to the law. Jesus comes and just destroys them. I mean, just, just in some of his harshest language in all the Bible, criticizes them, their teaching, their ethics, everything, their integrity, the whole nine yards. But then what's interesting, if you were to turn away from the Sanhedrin and look over to the, um, uh, to turn to the other side, to your right, you see the Mount of Olives, the way, the path Jesus would have come down on the, on, on Monday, Thursday. You see the tombs gleaming white. In fact, one of the criticism he says to the Pharisees is that they're like whitewashed tombs. They could have seen from their position, they could have looked out and seen the Mount of Olives with, with all the whitewashed tombs upon it for purity and, and so others could see. So Jesus had just finished his teaching of the religious leaders and he turns from them and turns to look out over the city because the temple's at one of the highest spots in the city. And then he turns, you can, all, you can really see Jerusalem laid out before you, particularly in this day, in Jesus' day, you can really see Jerusalem laid out before you. So he sees Jerusalem. And for me, when I read this passage, let me read it to you again. Listen to it. Because I'll tell you what I hear when I, when I read this. Jerusalem, 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 the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you are not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. 
For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I hear heartbreak in Jesus' voice when he says this. Remember in Genesis 1, it says that, that the Godhead, the Trinity, said, Let us make man in our image. Jesus Christ has been present throughout the creative, creative process of creation. He's been present throughout all things. And it wasn't just the Father who loved Israel. It wasn't just the Father who loved the people. It was Jesus as well. So Jesus has longed, as his Father has, as the Spirit has, as the Godhead of the Trinity has longed to gather his people together in freedom and safety and in joyful obedience. And here you see he has just criticized the religious leaders in the harshest language that he can. And here you see him saying, oh, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you together under my wings as a hen would her brood, but you would not let me. When, when I read that passage, I, I hear the heartbreak of Jesus. I hear the heartbreak of Jesus. I hear Jesus' heart breaking because he longed to be in relationship. And he longed to be at peace with his people. But they would not let him. They refused. They refused to be gathered under the wings. They refused to walk with him. They refused to accept his grace. They rejected him outright. And so the very one who made them the very one who gave them life, the very one who is the very who holds all things together, as Paul tells us in Colossians, the very Son of God now sees his creation rejecting him and his heart's broken because he longed to gather them together, but they would not let him. We can skip over to John's gospel, where Jesus weeps beside the tomb of this friend Lazarus. I think one of the worst mistakes we can make with Scripture is that we can sanitize it. Is that we can take the pain and loss away from Scripture. We far too often have made our faith, or we try to make our faith like some type of protective shield against pain and against loss. And against hurt, we were watching The Incredibles, that Disney superhero movie, Pixar, about the super family. And the, the daughter has the ability to create a force field around the family, around herself, around whomever. And nothing can penetrate it. And you're inside the force field, you're safe, it's okay. We've often thought faith was like that, haven't we? Well, I'm a Christian, so it, it's going to be okay. I, I say that a lot. I say that a lot. It's going to be okay. But let me tell you what I mean when I say it's going to be okay. When I say it's going to be okay, I, I don't mean that's going to be perfect. I, I don't mean it's going to be pain-free. I don't mean it's going to be easy. I don't mean there's not going to be tears. 
our hurt, our loss, our pain. Because Jesus experienced all that. We read him saying, I longed to gather you together, but you would not let me. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you together under my wings as a, as a hen would her brood, but you would not let me. See, now it's left you desolate. Oh, I've longed, I've desired to gather you together, but you would not let me. To say it's okay is not, to me, there's not going to be heartbreak. Because it is. C.S. Lewis said something to the effect of one day, we were promised suffering. Because Scripture says, blessed are those who mourn. We're going to face pain. When I say it's going to be okay, I'm not saying it's going to be painless. I'm not saying it's going to be griefless. In fact, I'm saying quite the opposite. That there is going to be pain. And there's going to be loss. We're watching this. We're, we're, we're recording this. You're watching this probably in late December. We're going to have more loss with COVID, y'all. We are. Hopefully not much more, but we are. I've got multiple. Maybe you're watching this. You have it. I've got family that have it and friends that have it. We lost a beloved Methodist minister this week. There's loss. I'm not saying there won't be loss. What I'm saying is it's going to be all right. What I'm saying is it's going to be all right. Paul says that when we suffer, our suffering can draw us closer to Jesus. Our, in our suffering, we find the sustaining grace of Jesus. And when we suffer, we find God's hand with us even in the difficult times. I don't want you to ever think that your suffering, your pain, invalidates the love of God or invalidates God's love in your life or invalidates God's presence in your life because we're all going to suffer. We read about Jesus' sufferings a few minutes ago. We read about Jesus having loss and pain and hurt just a few minutes ago. I don't want you to ever think that your suffering invalidates God's love for you or God's presence for you because it doesn't. And I also don't want you to think that you've got to always be happy. I think, I, think that's, I think that's one of the greatest mistakes we've made in our faith and in our life in this time is that we pretend like we've, got to pretend like we've always got to be happy. And we don't. I, I have a terrible poker face. I, my staff knows when I'm in a bad mood or when I'm a little upset and a little depressed. I, I'm, I'm actually quite melancholy a lot. I've... I do a good job faking it, <laughs> and I do a good job of um, being a preacher when I need to. But there's, my wife can tell you, there's, there's been a lot of times in my life I've struggled with melancholy, struggled with depression. It's okay. Being a Christian is not a hedge against all these things that are happening. Being a Christian means that we have somewhere to turn to. We have a safe harbor. That we have a place of safety in the storm. 
And being a Christian means that we know that when the suffering and the pain and the loss come, that it is going to be okay. Because our God's not left us. And our God's not forsaken us. This year I've lost a lot of family. Not so much to COVID, but just to life. And I did the funeral recently for a cousin. That was very tragic, very sad. It kind of put me in a funk for a while afterwards. And I, I started looking at my family and when I was preaching, when I was giving my reflection and looked out at my family that's seen so much loss these past few years. And I told them that I'm proud of them. Because even though in the midst of loss, we've still kept walking and been faithful, even in the midst of sadness. The Bible talks about these type of losses. But the Bible tells us over and over and over again that God doesn't leave us. In fact, if we look at the passage of Scripture that we love so much, the 23rd Psalms, it says, Yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. It doesn't say that we won't walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it says that when we do, when we do walk through it, we won't fear evil. For God is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. Comfort my people, oh comfort. That's what the scripture tells us. So today, whatever loss you're feeling, whatever pain you're going through, whatever hurt is on your heart, Give it to Jesus. Now, giving it to Jesus doesn't mean it's going to get better tomorrow. It may not. It may take a while. It may take the rest of your life. I know I'm still figuring out how to grieve for my mother's death 40-something years ago. I'm still processing that every day of my life. I'm processing it. I'm processing and learning to not hold on to fear and anxiety. I'm trying to let go of them. Some days I do pretty good and some days I don't. And that's okay. Let go of it. Give it to God. Trust in Him. And hold on tight to Him. Because He's not going to let go of you. He's not going to let go of you. You may want to let go of Him. (laughs) You may want to let go of Him but he's not going to let go of you because you're his beloved. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't believe it, even if you don't understand it, you are his beloved. Hold on tight to Jesus. Hold on tight to Jesus. I read an article recently about a pastor whose children struggle with the faith. And he used to end every conversation with his kids when they were, they kind of wandered away from the faith. He ended every conversation with this, don't give up on Jesus. 
And that's kind of stuck with me through this, this season. Don't give up on Jesus. For those of you who have lost, I'm so sorry. I'm truly sorry for your pain and for your loss. And I want you to all be praying for you. As I mentioned in the intro, reach out to me. I'd love to be in conversation with you, praying with you, there for you. I'm truly sorry for any loss you've had this year. Don't be afraid to name it, though. Don't be afraid to give it to Jesus. Don't be afraid to turn it over to him. And if you pick it back up tomorrow, it doesn't mean he's, he left you. It just means you might have to lay it back down again. Don't give up on Jesus. He's not giving up on you. Don't give up on Jesus. Love you. But more importantly, God loves you. And in this season, if you don't feel good, if you're blue, if you're upset, it's okay. Don't give up on Jesus. He's not giving up on you. Thanks for watching. And I know we're praying for you in the days to come. I hope that somehow in this season, you can feel the love of Christ. And know that you're loved. And that you're cared for. No matter what. Merry Christmas. Even if it's a little blue. Merry Christmas.